0: Abolition. Every day.
1: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass.
2: And I'm all out of bubble. Gum. Oh. Senator Jeff Merkley, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time today from uh, your office in Washington, D.C. There's a lot to talk about here, but I, I want to start today with uh, a tweet that you uh, put out a- just a couple of hours ago. You're going to introduce a constitutional amendment. Uh, can you explain uh, to us what the constitutional amendment is and why you're doing this?
3: Absolutely.
4: When uh, we ended slavery in our country, we created an exception. It said, if you're incarcerated, you can still be committed to involuntary work or slavery, if you will. And that was used as a strategy to incarcerate uh, millions of African-American men who were put back to work on plantations. And it's continued to be an abuse, uh, even forward to today. Uh, so it's time we ended uh, this ability to uh, essentially enslave people by incarcerating them, and that's what my amendment would do. Uh,
2: so where is it in the process? Have you actually al- already officially introduced it? Or are you just prepping it? Or Because uh, I know it's a very long process to get a, an amendment passed. So where are
4: we yeah. in the process? I'm just preparing to uh, introduce it. Uh, and uh, then once introduced, I'll start building support, hopefully among uh, Democratic and Republican
2: colleagues. Excellent. Well, uh, well, good luck to you on that. Uh, it, as I recall, uh, it takes two-thirds of the states to uh, to amend the Constitution. So that's about what thirty-four states. Is that correct?
5: Three quarters,
2: I believe. Three quarters.
5: Okay. I'll have to check, but I think it's three quarters. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
6: Senator Jeff Merkley making a pitch For a constitutional amendment To ban forced labor Followed by Bob Marley's Get up, stand up Peace and blessings be upon you My name is Yusuf Hassan And welcome to Abolition Today A weekly syndicated online radio program With specific focus On modern slavery As it is practiced through the 13th Amendment Of the United States Constitution And by for-profit prisons worldwide we air live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at Abolition Today or abolitiontoday.org. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, and I brought my friend along. And next on the mic is my man, Max. Come on, Max, sing that song.
7: Well, i the dip, the ladies dip, the women fight. No, please, Max Max is here. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the Paul Cuffee Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina
6: Well this week, we, national abolitionist groups Made history over and over and over again this election season Abolishing constitutional slavery in two states, Nebraska and Utah Returning voting rights to the formerly incarcerated in California by way of Proposition 17 opening up the Alabama Constitution to remove racist and pro-slavery language. We've changed the name of a state, formerly Rhode Island Plantations. And oh yeah, the Wicked Witch in the White Supremacy House is dead. (laughs) Of course, we've got amazing music to share, and we'll honor the ancestors without bridging the gap segment. We're going to keep the lines open tonight, and we expect some special calls to come in. The number is... 515-605-9814. 515-605-9814. Remember to press number one on your keypad so we know that you have a question or a comment.
7: So what's going on, Max? Man, you know, I said today that we had to do a peacock strut. You know what I'm saying? Like everything we yes, turn, turn, to go. Six different states, man. And, you know, I'm not saying we're directly involved. This is a movement. And throughout the country, there are different organizations who are abolitionist organizations working on getting these things done. Collectively, we come together through the Abolish Slavery National Network. So, you know, it's not like me and Yusuf are physically touching everything, but the abolitionist movement is. And it's just Absolutely. wonderful to see that everything we touch won. Uh, you, like you said, Prop 17, Voting Rights came back. I believe Brother Dorsey was involved in that. Uh, then, also, we had Amendment 4 in Alabama passed, which allows them to take out racist uh, and slavery language. And, you know, Alabama's got the longest constitution in the world. <laughs> I think it's got like 3,000 some odd words or something like that. Y- y- yeah,
5: exactly.
7: And part of that is the part that allows for legalized slavery in Alabama. I believe it's Section 32. Uh, so we have an opportunity to take that out of there as well and make that the fourth state in two years to remove pro-slavery language from the state constitution to ban and abolish slavery and involuntary servitude period with no exception it's beautiful to see man <laughs> you know
6: yeah it's, it's huge and now it shows that colorado was not an anomaly that there's an actual abolitionist movement going it shows others we knew it all along
7: yeah but we it shows
6: it. others that there's a real movement out here
7: yeah, there's just so many wins, like, you know, one after the other, uh, the Prop 7, Amendment 4. Also, Rhode Island, which was formerly known as Rhode Island Plantations, is now just plain old Rhode Island. <laughs> so no more slavery language in the state of Rhode Island's name. That's another win for us, too, uh, from what I understand, man. So it looks good for the abolitionists this year. And it's nice because we're only around the corner from the International Day of Abolition of Slavery which is the 2nd of December, and also the anniversary of the ratification of the 13th Amendment, which we'll be doing something special here on December 6th, uh, sponsored by Abolition Today. Uh, stay, uh, Check us, check our links at Abolition Today and follow the host so you know exactly what's happening and how you can be a part of it.
6: Absolutely. And then on top of these wins that we had, there are also certain collateral wins. When you talk about The state of Mississippi removing The Confederate flag from their state flag So they've completely changed Their flag and then when you look At the number of states who've done something As simple as uh, Legalizing Marijuana within their states or In one state I don't recall which it was I believe it was Oregon where Possession of All drugs has been Decriminalized and we know that these are some of the precursors. When we start talking about slavery and the mass incarceration or the, the vast numbers that are going into the prisons, these are the precursors. So when you talk about a person just having a personal amount of marijuana and he can – somehow they find a way to end up giving the person 30 years because you know he had two prior convictions or something of that nature. So this is a major step just taking away some of the precursors to that.
7: Right, right. And, uh, you know, you said earlier we knew what was going to happen, but everybody else didn't yet. And, man, the things we know behind the scenes, like you only get like 10% of what's actually happening behind the scenes. But uh, as of 11-17, we're going to have a national Zoom call with all of the organizations, the representatives across the country who are still working on this project. So – we're trying to get every state in the union involved, and we're, we're really heading in that direction on a large scale. So if you haven't signed up at the Abolish Slavery National Network, go to abolishslavery.us and sign up and join the fight there. So you can always get these emails about what's happening next, and you can be involved and be a part of it, okay? Uh, we put out a lot of requests for action from there as well, so you can be a part of that. But yeah, man. Uh, from what I've seen so far, and I've seen it pretty close with me and Dennis being uh, co-directors of state operations, that uh, mm-hmm. within the next few months we're going to have half the country involved. Just in the next few months, it's going to be twenty-four states involved. That's amazing. That's
6: man. that's that's huge. And you know, because I, I look at Georgia and I know that there were some talks with the organizers down there and bringing this into the you know into the Georgia legislation. And we see from the election, okay, the political climate in Georgia has changed to where it's no longer even considered a, a red state, at least for this election cycle. And we know the two Senate seats are also going to be up for a runoff come January. And so there's an excellent opportunity for you know us to even bring this to the Georgia legislature and Possibly, it, well, not possibly. Wherever we go, I honestly believe it's gonna happen because the alternative is is for legislators to openly say we want racism to remain in our constitution.
7: Yeah, and you know, so they
6: kind of. No, I was just gonna say, so they're kind of backed into a corner to either, <laughs> either say you you're with it or you're not with it. There's no in between and nowhere to hide on this issue.
7: And even partisan issues not really a matter here, you know, because look, we just did Utah and Nebraska. (laughs) It wasn't California and New York yet. They're coming up next. Like California has already got their legislations put into place. Uh, New Jersey's got theirs, as you already know. Uh, Vermont has already put theirs forward. Tennessee is already on the ballot. New York has got their legislation together. Texas is fired up. They got theirs together, and they, they're putting their organization to make this thing happen. Uh, and it's just state after state that, that isn't, you know, we don't need to talk to them. They're already in the process of it. Y'all right. do to be surprised that the level of coordination on a national and international level is happening right now in the abolitionist movement because the call on November Let's 17th not- is international. And let's
6: not forget Michigan, because they've already laid the groundwork for it.
7: Right, right. Exactly. So, yeah. And we've been coordinating and speaking with uh, historians and professors and attorneys and uh, constitutional law experts all across the country who are getting involved as well. As I mentioned last week, um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, I'll be speaking to some faculty members along with uh, Ivan Kilgore about slavery abolition modern slavery abolition and how we got to this point. So I'll be speaking with the faculty members uh, out in, I believe it's Kentucky. Uh, No, not Kentucky, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that's happening tomorrow. And we've been in conversation with a group called Historians Against Slavery. And they're like, well, what can we do to help, Max? I'm like, okay, let's focus on this narrative thing. And they're doing that. Right. Because, you know, before they used a lot of descriptors. They would say it was a caste system. They would say... Uh, that it was like slavery, um, that it was a a race-based system. I mean, all these different descriptors, but they didn't use slavery. You know, always like slavery was the closest thing we can get. So now they're really focusing on that particularly. Uh, This just came out from racism.org, and it was an excerpt from Michael A. Lawrence's. He says that the 13th Amendment should be a basis for racial truth and reconciliation. And he's uh, – Arizona Law Review is where that was published. He's a professor of law and past. Uh, he is a professor of constitutional law and a Michigan State University uh, professor of, of law there at the college. So, I mean, this is where we're coming from with it now. We're going to focus on this crime against humanity called slavery, which is allowed through the 13th Amendment, and the historians are coming in to back up what we're saying. It's awesome to see that.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, when we think of Frederick Douglass' statement that power concedes nothing without a demand, and here we are out here making our demands. And we're, giving the, we're making our demands clear, and we're doing it through the legislative process. You know, it's not just being out in the streets hollering and screaming, no justice, no peace, but we're actually taking it into their legislative houses. Where the laws are actually written, and so, yeah, we're 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 bringing truth to power, and we see the results. We're seeing the results,
7: right. And as I said earlier, it's, it's not a partisan issue. It's 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 about rights, human rights. It's about crimes against humanity, and. You know, some people will say, well, it's not that bad in prison, but they, you haven't been listening to abolition today, of course. I can tell you that probably. Absolutely. If you're saying that, you ain't been listening to this program. We're we Especially to live from the
6: plantation, hearing it or directly, from the plantation, directly from
7: them. Right. Uh, you know, because we, we document it as it occurs, and we also explain it in historical sense. So we bring it all together for you here, piece by piece. Uh, about different topics each time. Like today is the title is the Midas Touch because of the amendments. We have changed six amendments across America. That is no joke right there. When you got organizations that change six amendments simultaneously. Come on now. (laughs) Give it up. And we're
6: talking about legislation that's been in place, you know, two hundred years.
7: Two hundred years. New Jersey about to do it and they ain't changed their constitution since eighteen seventy five. So this is monumental. And it's also being uh, choked. It, I mean, what I mean is like mainstream media isn't talking about it at all. Like you don't hear nothing about this at all, as if it doesn't exist and it never happened. But we know, you know what I mean? And that's why we right. thank God for independent media as well as having a platform ourselves.
6: Absolutely. And I think that uh, it benefits us that mainstream media isn't catching this because it doesn't give them the opportunity to taint the mission. And start bringing on people who don't represent us, you know, that look like us but don't represent us, you know, that starts taking it in another direction.
7: Right, And I'll right. just leave it at that. <laughs> I feel you on that. But with, you know, in some ways, they have tried to counter the narrative, and I have seen MSNBC elude a lot. Like, they're going... They'll say – they'll take the 13th film and talk about the 13th and April DuVernay. They'll talk about the mm-hmm. prison population and you know how similar it is to slavery, but they'll never outright say it. We're outright saying that's what it is, and that changes the whole conversation from we can fix it to we got to end it.
6: Right, like, and know, not only are we just saying it – oh, I'm sorry, Max. I thought you were done.
7: No, no, go ahead. Say what you got to say, brother.
6: I was going to say, not only are we just saying it, but we're proving it. We're bringing forth, we're bringing receipts. Isn't it the common uh, phrase now? We're bringing receipts. <laughs> That's
7: it. We're bringing receipts. Hey, you know, I, I want to start with a treat. We already did that. You know, we always start powerfully. But I want to continue mm-hmm. uh, lifting people up. So, okay. you know, the question is what we want. Why are we doing this? What do we want? Mm-hmm. And we've got one of the major cities in America's mayor performing that specific poem. In an official music video, you can find the abolition today. It's called What We Want, and it's Mayor Roz Baraka, who just happens to be the son of my mentor, Amiri Baraka. We'll play that, and when we come back, we're going to open up the phone line. So if you want to ask a question or make a comment or join the conversation, call us at 515-605-9814. And if you're on the line, press number uh, 1 on your keypad So that we know you have a question or comment Uh, We'll be right back after What We Want by Roz Baraka Abolition. Abolition 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 Abolition
8: What We Want We want to love ourselves freely Unfettered images of our grandmothers and our dreams We want to praise our own God And we want to see his reflection in our children's eyes. We want to draw him blue like jazz with long dreads and thick lips. We want music every day and especially on Sundays. We want dancing to be a prerequisite for success. We want the blues and jazz and funk, rock, soul, hip-hop and R.B. And the wealth created from it to be our baby's inheritance. And we want it taught in all elementary schools all over the world. We want to speak for ourselves. We want to represent ourselves. And we don't want no handouts. Yeah, we don't want handouts. We just want everything we created and everything that was created as a result of what we created. And we want it with interest. We need a guaranteed income for all education like fresh air and food and water and shelter. And be free from sickness and dis-ease. We need long life to collectively oppose death and stagnation. We need ideas and imagination. We should be against hoods like sheer white ones. The ones that take and keep taking from the meat. And often defenseless, even the glorified trap. Yeah, we against the trap too. We need our skies to be free from poison, to be able to breathe in sunshine and feel the wind on our faces. We need to end the war and oppression. We need the people to own their own labor. We need every corner of every country developed and every community empowered. We need it all turned right side up. We need the raw materials from the earth used in poverty anywhere exists. We need the calluses on our hands and the pains in our lower back to be added to our savings. Cheers. Yeah. We need healthcare to be free and information to be free and ideas to be free and the news to be free and learning to be free and the people to be free yeah the people they gotta be free too We are inner slavery in all forms and the inner exploitation and we need all the money and all the banks in every part of the world to be used for our collective benefit Yeah we need all the money and all the banks in every part of the world to be used for our collective benefit We need to outlaw lives and teach people's history in all languages from the viewpoint of all of us not just a few of us we need to outlaw everyone, we the to outlaw everyone, we need to outlaw everyone who opposes the right for all of us to vote, to be represented, no matter where we are, no matter what language we speak, no matter what God we pray to, to dismantle the electoral college, yeah, we need to dismantle the electoral college and make racism and white supremacy illegal, we need to ban the confederate flag and label every monument to genocide with a red letter like that book, or just plain tear down. And replace them with statues of black and brown women that carried us through the darkest moments of history we need to destroy all nuclear weapons but first start with automatic rifles we need to replace the war on drugs with a war on ignorance we need to destroy the pipeline of cages and use the savings to develop the human spirit to treat illness, social, mental, and physical we need freedom not just the Bill of Rights, but rights to build our own lives, to be free from destitute and hatred and hungry children, free from sickness with cures, underdevelopment and cold winter nights with no heat, free from losing our land, our block, our community, our homes, our family, free from choking to death in our own backyard. At schools that undermine our self esteem, we need to be free from praising those that lynched us. Free to be free from praising those that lynched us, and free to pray in any language as anyone we choose. Free to be free how we define it. We'd be free to be free how we define it and free enough to know that the world is made up of all of us, not just some of us, and that only when all of us are free, none of us will be. And that our collective existence. It's tied directly to our individual existence, a coexistence with ourselves. Yeah, one big we, one big we, one big giant outrageous we. This is what we want and what we need. This is what we want and what we need. What we want and what we need and we want it now. We want it now at this very moment, this second. This is what we want and what we need. The now, the now, the now and the forever, the forever and the now, the now and the forever, the forever and the now, the forever now. We want it, we want it, we want it. What we want and what we need, what we want and what we need. What we need and want and want and need and need and want and want and need. Like a shower all over our body, like a shower all over our body. We want it. Like the sunshine kissing our faces. Yeah, like the sunshine kissing our faces. Oh, my God.
7: Evolution. Evolution. That was What We Want by Rods Baraka, mayor of North, New Jersey and son of the late great father of the black arts movement of Miri Baraka. Man, he broke it down. <laughs> wow.
5: It, it,
6: that's breathtaking, man. I mean, you know, yes. it just reminds me so much of, you know, the, the legends. You know, the last poet, Gil Scott Heron, and of course, his father, you know, Amiri Baraka. It was just so breathtaking and deep. I mean, he was dropping some real stuff within that.
7: That's one of the beautiful things in my life that I've experienced is I've got to be mentored by these men and perform with them on numerous occasions in America, except for one, uh, of course, Gil Scott Haran. I never performed with Gil before he passed, but I have done a duet with his daughter, Gia. So, you know, that was really nice. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was dope. I remember that. Yeah, the rise up combination. And shout out to New Jersey, man. Let me tell you about New Jersey. Cause what Your State hometown. New Jersey Let's did. hear it. Talk More to than me. 2,002 inmates were freed in New Jersey Wednesday in one of the biggest single-day prisoner releases in American history. The inmates were released under a new law that awards inmates within a year of release up to eight months off their sentence in public health emergency credits for serving time during the coronavirus crisis or a future public health crisis like it. That is hot, man. Yeah. Yeah.
6: That's a big deal.
7: And almost a thousand other state inmates were released too in January. So that's over 3,000 people being released in 2,200. That's, one of the biggest single-day prison releases in history here.
6: So, you know, I, yeah. I give uh, Governor Murphy a lot of credit, and, of course, those that are pushing it, it doesn't it's, – it's not coming from Governor Murphy, but at least he's open to many of the reforms that are being pushed across his desk. And he's signing off on them, you know, so we're going to see large waves of people being released, people who should have already been released. I mean, we know in every state that there's a huge backlog of people not being released because of politics. You know, they have these political appointments that have put people in charge of the parole board, and in many states, it's next to impossible to make parole on your first time to the board, and for some people, their second or third time at the board. And so Governor Murphy has, you know, there are many things that have been changed that, uh, Certain uh, sentencing laws have been changed that makes people eligible for halfway houses that normally wouldn't have been eligible for for them. So we're going to see a lot of people starting to get released in New Jersey. So yeah, I definitely give uh, props to everyone involved in that in New Jersey.
7: Yeah, man, it makes me feel good that Jersey is involved like that. And they just legalized marijuana. You know, I expect that they're going to go ahead and... Uh, Let people go who are incarcerated and, uh, you know, uh, I guess maybe even put together some programs to give some of that money back to the community now. But it's going to take about a year for them to put together just the stores and locations and write all the different laws and statutes that need to be written about it to make it happen. But it's definitely nice to visit home again. And speaking of New Jersey, I got a call to action from Dennis Febo.
6: So okay.
7: I'm I'm going to read it verbatim. Uh, he might call in later. I don't know, but I'll read it in advance in verbatim. He says, all right, New Jersey, slavery and involuntary servitude are not going to abolish themselves. We need action. If Colorado, Utah, and Nebraska abolish slavery, then so can we. We are halfway through the legislative push. We need your help. I repeat, we need your help. So hello, say hello to Vincent Mazzeo. He's the state Government, government Committee Speaker For the New Jersey General Assembly This gentleman's responsibility Is to put this on the agenda To get it voted out of committee And onto assembly floor So let's all shoot his soul Shoot this soul and In his office mass emails Demanding he place ACR 145 ACR 145 Amend the 13th On the agenda Remember, it is currently sitting on every legislator's desk for 20 days. They all know about it. His email, and you can find this on Abolition Today. I'll put it up there after I finish talk, reading it. Is, his email is asmmazzeo at org. That's a-z-z-e-o at n-j-l-e-g dot org. Or you can call him at 609-383-1388, 609-383-1388. I got to tell you, though, we called right away when the call came out, and last Mm -hmm. we heard, his message box is already full, so you're probably going to end up having to mail him. You
6: said? That's awesome, just hearing that. His mailbox is already full, you know, because,
9: you know, in New Jersey—
6: Yeah, see that's a, that's amazing that so many people are involved in that, you know, when I think back to when they had the public hearings and you know just how many letters that they received and the the support around the state from, you know, city councils and each uh, many large municipalities. So this is a huge movement in New Jersey and again as we mentioned a few minutes ago, there's no talk of it in any of the media. So that shows that the grats the grass, uh sorry the grassroots movement is working. It's alive. It's working, and progress is being made. Huge progress is being made.
7: Huge progress is, and you know it, we're not we're being unsung by ma- mainstream media, and I I think we all know why, because we watched them do the same damn thing. When we had the two largest or Actually one of them was the largest Slave revolt in American history when 24 prisoners uh, prisons Down uh, on work strikes And it was supported right. by two other Nations you know so That was huge and then we had one before That was 17 uh, States were involved and They never mentioned that either I remember Absolutely. When we went to Washington D.C. man That right. was like freaking fabulous You know <laughs> we went to the church down the street from Frederick Douglass's house, and all these abolitionists from as far away as Alaska had come together for slavery abolition. It was the first time, like, you've seen anything like that since the 1800s. And then we went across right. the street, and we gave presentations and speeches from people, including the Move 9 members, and Mumia uh, called in on the phone. and I was one of the keynote speakers. Uh, we had uh brothers who spent 30 40 years in solitary confinement there like Robert Kink uh who spoke as well. right uh, right across the street in Freedom Plaza from the White House and while we were doing that there were, i think it was 17 different cities were also rallying in support of us all across America and you didn't hear none of that on CNN
6: right it was a huge day. i mean just the mere fact that you know here we are marching through the streets of Washington D.C. Uh You know, on bullhorns talking about end slavery. You know, abolitionists don't have to hide in the basement of churches. We're not worried about being hung, you know, or, or any other things that were happening to the abolitionists of the past. And it, yeah, that was such a great day, man. It really was. That was a great day. You know, I didn't, you know, you know how I do in the large gatherings like that. I like crowd watching. You know, just to see. I like to watch them watching us, you know.
7: That sounds like a song from the 90s. Girl yeah. Watch the girl, girl watches a song, you know? Watching right. ladies go by watching you.
10: What was that, Slave
7: that sang that? Yeah, man. Man, and you yeah, know. That's a
6: good throwback right there.
7: There's a lot of news that we've been trying to get out. And you already heard some of it, you know, we're rapid fire with our stuff sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess the biggest news for a lot of people is that we got a new president. Uh, apparently, we got Joe Biden. And yeah. uh, I can't tell you I'm happy about that. I, I can't say it at all. My man was Mark Charles, you know. Right. And I know people looking at me some kind of way because I could never bring myself to support Joe Biden. I didn't care if he had Kamala Harris with him. I said from the very beginning the only way I would support Joe Biden is if he had Mumia as his vice president. (laughs) You know, then I might (laughs) consider it. But otherwise this man, as far as I was concerned, was guilty of crimes against humanity and he knowingly had done it. And it wasn't something I just read about. I mean, I've heard him say in his own words how he wanted to do it and why and who he wanted to do it to. It, It was just such venom against the black community and uh, people who are in poverty that uh, just mind blown. And he spent most of his life doing things like that. He even came out and said at one point, you know, every bill since 19... No, let me be extreme with him. Every bill since Adam and Eve has had the name of the senator from uh, whatever the hell he is, (laughs) the senator Uh Joe Biden on it. You know what I mean? Like, he was really hardcore on this. And He wrote this bill, the 94 Crime Bill, that was also co-written by the prison companies because the GEO group was directly involved in the three strikes uh, laws and the mandatory minimum laws. So he was co-writing these bills with prison companies. And they were a part of an organization. Let's not even call it an organization. It's more like a cabal because it really is. They write our laws in America, and it's called ALEC. And it's where these corporate Entities which are often international entities, meaning that these are foreign interests, are writing laws that they simply give to predominantly Republican lawmakers, who then sometimes submit them as bills with this freaking, um, with the freaking letterhead of the Geo Group right at the top.
6: Right at the top.
7: <laughs> right at the top. And they funnel so many millions of dollars in. Go ahead, Yusuf.
6: Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, absolutely right, and I mean, it was something that I was going to mention, especially when it comes to Joe Biden. See, as we covered in many of our previous episodes, especially when you know it became abundantly clear that it was going to be Biden running for president, and he probably was going to win. That Biden, when it when it comes to crime bills, I mean, he's the one that was behind. Reagan's nineteen eighty four crime bill. Yeah. You know, he and he and Strom uh Thurman, uh the late uh senator what was he out of South Carolina?
7: South Carolina. Strom Thurmond Yeah,
6: yeah and strong, he and Strom Thurmond
7: the,
6: Yeah, they were the big ones behind that, behind that uh comprehensive crime control act of nineteen eighty four and that whole push for privatization. Government privatization of certain entities, and as we laid out in our previous episodes, that it really was specifically targeting the tra- targeting the private prison industry. And when you want to talk about Alec, you know, just just to throw some numbers out there, that uh, there was a two-year investigation by U.S. USA Today and others that found that between 2010 and 2018, ALEC model bills were introduced 2,900 times across all 50 states and in Congress and had a 21% passage rate. And let's look into uh, some of the numbers. So they say that, uh, that their model legislation is created by both private and public sector members and task forces geared towards specific issues like criminal justice, or health and human services each group has a private sector chair and a public sector chair and in task force meeting potential bill ideas are reportedly voted on by both private and public sector members and they say that uh, corporations can buy into tiered memberships that start at $12,000 a year and meanwhile lawmakers pay only $100 for a two-year membership so they operate like some type of membership organization, no different than like a fraternity or uh, you know some other organization like the Fraternal Order of Police, and they pay – corporations pay in there, and through ALEC, they do this model legislation. That That's what they actually openly call it, that model legislation. So we write the model, and then all you have to do is fill in the blanks that we leave. And it's, right, and it's right. gone through all 50 states 2,900 times between 2010 and 2018. And I would even say that it's probably been ramped up since then to even more.
7: Yeah, in the past decade, they've invested, because that's what it is, is an investment, tens of millions of dollars just lobbying Congress. Uh, these prison companies, not all, just the prison companies. Um, and, you know, we right. spoke about Alec in detail. And their ultimate goal, which they've already accomplished, was to privatize legislation. And you can find out about that in our episode, The Money Machine. It's a couple Mm of pages back. Just go to abolitiontoday.org and you can find The Money Machine. So we go into detail on Alex there and go ahead and use that as a learning tool for sure. As a matter of fact, man, a, a lot of misunderstandings, and I don't even know if if I can call it misunderstandings, because racism is not an opinion. <laughs> you know? Like it,
9: right.
7: It, 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 what, you, what would you call it? Is it a sickness? Is it a mental disability? Is it a miseducation? Is it hate? I, I don't know. But if you're. It's a definitely racist, a choice. Right. Definitely it's definitely a logical. choice. It's definitely a choice, but it's not logical to think somehow that based on the color of someone's skin that you are entitled to something or that you're separate from something or you're superior to somebody else. And they look around us uh, today and they deny everything that's happening, everything that we're going through that we've been talking about for, for hundreds of years is consistently denied as even existing. Like racism. Right. There's certain people who are very high in government in the United States that do not believe that systemic racism exists in America. You said?
6: <laughs> you know, Max, uh Well why don't why don't we play something? I'm sure we have some kind of clip that we could share with
7: you. <laughs> you act like you don't know. You know that well, we got that stuff, man. <laughs> We we it's like Halloween <laughs> up in here. We got the goodies for you. Come on to the door. Yeah. As a matter of fact, so, we got
6: go a. I was gonna say pull out the good goodies. You know don't, right. don't yeah don't pull out something that's like the Charlie Brown rock. You
7: <laughs> <know>? <laughs> well, you know we like to mix it with music and poetry. So I got something really nice I put together here. Uh, it really exposes this feigned ignorance and denial in public. With it starts out with Larry Cudlow who is a chief economic advisor to President Trump. He's also a contributor to Russia television on a consistent basis and has been talking mm-hmm. so many times about the economic collapse. He's one of those conspiracy theorists that used to hang out with Alex Jones. And also uh, we have that followed by the founder of Tea Party 365, David Webb. He's a oh, black boy. conservative commentator. And he stands up at one, I forget, I think it's Cambridge, and it tells the world how slavery, or not slavery, but systemic racism does not exist. So when you get to his point, just really pay attention to what he's saying, and we'll come back on the other side and talk about it. And that's going to be closed off by P.J. Morton featuring Toby and Nick Wigway, and it's called A Shame. So let's go ahead and get into that. Okay. Abolition.
6: Today. At out front tonight,
11: tone deaf, as protests grow for the 16th day in this country, the president's top economic adviser had this to say when he was asked about systemic racism in the United States.
4: I don't believe there's systemic racism in the U.S. I'm not going to go into a long riff on it.
11: At all in the U.S.?
4: I do not.
5: You're any systemic racism against African Americans in the United
4: States? I will say it again. I do not.
11: Cudlow clear on how he feels. He says it's not an issue. This despite the massive protests that have been taking place every night across the country now for more than two weeks.
12: Watch watch, watch this, 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 this. It has been said before, but I will repeat it. The proposition that America is institutionally racist requires that something creates an environment. Two things create an environment for slavery or racism, and they are needed for it to exist. One is a social contract, as in the South during slavery. Two, codified law. Neither Neither of those those things things exist exist in American American culture culture today.
5: today. You should be ashamed. Nothing's really changed And it's your ignorance That won't give me a change Because of the color of my skin mm-hmm. You won't listen mm-hmm. And after all this time You won't change your mind you should be ashamed. What more will it say before you realize your? see Your people getting slang, and you keep playing games. So you should be ashamed. Mm-hmm. And after all this time, you won't change your mind, and you should be ashamed. Mm-hmm.
0: Abolition, after day, after
7: day, after day. Mm-hmm. That was Chief Economic Advisor Larry Cudlow, co-founder of Tea Party 365, David Webb PJ Morton featuring Tobey Huiwe Ashamed Youssef?
6: All of them Should be ashamed Because ashamed. of that BS that came Out of their mouths Especially man. Uh,
9: <laughs> Especially uh, David, David Webb,
6: David Webb And yep. Larry Kudlow, I mean, when you – I don't expect someone who hasn't been subjected to racism or someone from a race of people who haven't been discriminated against systemically to understand systemic racism because what we call systemic racism is the norm to other people. It's just the way things are. And the way things have always been And the way things people want them To always be So I don't expect Them to understand But you would expect A black man to understand
7: uh, Yeah you would Unfortunately you, would you know that's not the case mm-hmm. What's this phrase that's always used We are not a monument <laughs> We're not a monument right Which means we got right. some Daryl Webbs up in here Sometimes way too many To be comfortable, but they're there. Uh, To be able to say that out loud is shameful, though. Like, and he made two specific points. Did you catch two points he said? Yes, and and, and that's what I wanted. That's
6: what I wanted to address. You know, or I wanted us to discuss that social contract and the codification Codification. in law. Yes.
7: Yes. So, what are those two things? Like, he acts like they don't exist. Not act like he literally said, "I don't believe." That they exist in American culture, (laughs) like you, what the hell, man? Social contract is mass incarceration. The codification is the U.S. Constitution's Thirteenth Amendment. These are two uh, things that are necessary for racism and slavery to exist. And for you to act like they don't, they're not there. It's like you're doing it on purpose And to stand in such a prestigious place As Cambridge University before all of these people And tell the world, as a black man That there is no systemic racism Here in America Somebody ought to powder slap your ass Like for sure You know, (laughs) just get the powder and put it all on the hand
6: And smack it out of
7: you Excuse my language, I'm just saying
6: Or or, or take it old school And double back slap (laughs) it You know, it's probably been years since you heard that one, but he needs to be—he needs to be double back slapped, man.
7: By a little kid, because, too, like some little twelve-year-old, need to run up on him, like you know what you you right,
6: right? Come on, man. And I mean, okay, we don't have to even use fancy words. Let's just look at it.
5: <laughs>
6: what is the racial makeup of prosecutors?
7: Ninety-five percent of all ma- prosecutors are white. Yep.
6: Yeah, and we look at we can go up the line. What do the judges look like? What do the police officers look like? What's the racial charists. makeup?
7: Right.
9: Yeah.
7: I think ninety-seven. Ra- I know of you know the numbers are white too.
9: Right. Right. Now, how does that happen?
7: If it's not systemic racism, what is it? You can go to places right. where. There are a majority of black residents or non-white residents, and the people in charge will still be white. How does that even happen?
6: (laughs) Exactly, because you can't say the people don't have the qualifications.
9: You know, we have
6: all kinds of qualifications and all kinds of degrees and certifications, and we still don't get the positions.
7: You know, we got a couple of pieces of proof. Here's one, right? If there's no such mm-hmm. thing as systemic racism, then when is the next black governor's ball? Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying, when's the next one? Because where are they? Oh, there ain't any. <laughs> you know, right. little things like that that you notice. You should notice that. So, yeah, right. that, that is that is something else. Again, I want to invite people to call in. If you want a question or comment, we've got 515 605 515 605 nine eight one four uh and if you do call in just press one on your keypad so that we know you got a question or a comment in the meantime we're just going to keep it on moving man there's so much to say as, you, as i said earlier i feel good man like so many victories under our belt i feel like we can do just about anything right and we're going to right like we Got too many wheels in motion now For it to be prevented And that was the plan from the beginning That when we come out on August 28th With the Abolish slavery National Network We don't just take baby steps We just slam onto the scene Like boom exactly.
6: Kaboom, Your mama, kaboom, kaboom <laughs> Guess who stepped in the room, exactly
7: <laughs> Right yeah, You know, or, or like
6: it. old school NBA jam He's on fire And that's what we are, we're on
7: fire right now I'm, man. I'm On fire right now, man Not playing. And it's, it only makes sense because it's an idea whose time has come. It's, it's, it's simple logic, simple understanding. Anybody with a fifth grade education who can read the 13th amendment can think about it a few minutes and say, oh, (laughs) oh, okay. I see what you're saying right here. You know, and we have people who will say things like, it's not slavery. As we've had played on the show before. I don't think it's slavery. It's not like slavery. Uh, We shouldn't call it slavery. The Constitution calls it slavery. Were you trying to say exactly. that you now supersede the constitution? <laughs> and it's and not a judge that does it. The, right. The Constitution uh, itself does it. Right. Sorry about And I was regret, gonna I just say to make sure that was clear.
6: No, I I wanted you to finish. And so one one thing I always notice is that when someone denies, it usually begins with I think or I don't feel or my opinion. That's usually their retort to facts. We'll present facts, and they'll say, well, I think, or I don't think, or I don't feel, or some other excuse that they'll use. But those who get it, their usual response is, it's about time,
7: or it's long overdue. Finally.
9: (laughs) Exactly.
7: We've been running around here in these states where the Constitution says that slavery is abolished in the state of whatever, except. Prisoners prisoner is duly convicted. Huh? Right. <laughs> and every time they char- go to the courts to fight these slave-like conditions, this forced labor, the warehousing of bodies, the Eighth Amendment violations, and the Sixth Amendment violations, the court would throw it out in favor of that exception clause. Same thing for the 13th Amendment. The court would throw it out in favor of that right. exception clause. And these attorneys know the loophole, especially these prison attorneys They know how to work this loophole So do people in high places in government They know how to work these loopholes
6: Right That's what it was put there for It was put there for as your way out Because there's no legal remedy As long as it's there And courts recognize prisons Or the prison systems As you know Basically sovereign entities and there are very few incidents where they'll actually get involved. Very few. But human conditions, human rights violations, uh, forced labor, they're not going to get involved with that because of the 13th Amendment.
7: Yeah, what did the, we, we was reading a comment on uh, Senator Merkley's video, and the people was talking about it not – it's not forced labor. What did you guys say? Show me some forced labor. You can't. And I'm like, dude, right. all you had to, I didn't write this. But me and you were talking. I'm like, all you had to do was highlight his own words and click search Google. <laughs> and he didn't right. get the answer and to that. Pages. His own words. Pages. Pages and pages of forced labor incidents all throughout American history after the 13th Amendment had been ratified. On the 6th of December After that occurred Throughout convict leasing Throughout the 50s and the 60s And all the way up till today Where if you don't work You get sent to the hole You lose privileges uh, You might even get violently uh, attacked By these guards Who just on a bad day All Yeah, these things yeah there's no
6: might in that Yeah, there's no might in that It will happen Not all the time But it will happen in large numbers
7: And forced labor, you know The word force can be applied in different ways too. these badges of slavery that are supposedly protected by the 13th Amendment. And what I mean is, let's say that a person has to make money in prison because prisons do have an economy, right? And you you have no other way of buying the thing that you need, whether it's toothpaste, toilet paper, whatever it may be. Uh, And they offer you a job for five cents an hour. So here's your choice. You got to buy stuff. Here's a job for five cents an hour or here's nothing. Sit in your cell and rot. And they're forced to make these choices. Take the five cents an hour. What else? I remember one brother talking about a dollar a day was good money. <laughs> in prison, yeah, and, it's good money.
6: And and there are even other incidents as to where you can show force where it's unimplied force, where there are consequences to not going to work. And in some prisons, you have to work. You have absolutely no option to not work, that you must right. work and you can't refuse, refusal can be a beat down. You get dragged off to the box and spend significant time in the box. You can lose visitation. You can lose commissary. You can lose your phone calls. You can lose good time or commutation time. So that's unemployed force to where you have all of that hanging over your head And so, therefore, you have to get up and go to work. So as many are getting up, going to work, not because they want to, but because of the collateral damages that come along with it.
7: Right. And and they often use the excuse that these are job skills that they're teaching them and things like that. But that's – it's a racist statement in itself. You know, It's assuming everybody there is an idiot, never had a job, they don't know what to do. A lot of these people had jobs. Before you falsely incarcerated them and criminalized their lives or put them in for so much longer than they were supposed to be in there. They had careers. They had futures, families, wives, children, all of that. To assume everybody is like a teenager that never done anything but flip burgers at McDonald's is pretty much a racist comment. Right. Especially considering the majority of the prisoners are non-white. We're talking about 60% of the population inside the prison are not white, and yet white people make up 75% of the prison pop, 75% of the total national population. So that's a another uh, systemic racism fact right there that you can see. To keep denying that is ridiculous. As a matter of fact, yeah. there was a hustle I saw. Uh, one of the videos we're going to share tonight, audios rather, but the video mm-hmm. and the music and everything is going to be available on our page. The Young Turks tricked the hell out of the Republican Party. Remember we was talking about that? that, that yeah. was really slick How they did it. Uh, they put a, one of these polls out, and they asked uh, basically, you know what? Don't let me tell it. Let them tell it. We're going to go ahead and go to that. We'll do the Young Turks. It'll be followed by L.A. Deuce, the ballot of the, or the bullet, and followed by that afterwards with Malcolm X ballot or bullet. So let's listen to this here on Abolition today. And when we come back, uh, you'll be here with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Abolition. Abolition. Today.
2: How racist are the Republicans? Well, oh. uh, it turns out that if you're a little bit tricky in your polls, you can get a pretty good idea, by the way. So let's talk about the results of a January Washington Post-Ipsos poll. Found that more than 8 in 10 black Americans think that Trump is a racist. 65% think that now is a bad time to be black in America. So uh, J.R., that Zoom call, they pulled it, they're pretty sure that he is a racist. But that, that's, you know, that's black Americans looking at MAGA heads and evaluating them. What if we could actually talk to the MAGA heads and get them to admit it without realizing what they're doing? Well, they have that. Mm-hmm. A, public research, a Public Religion Research Institute asked respondents whether they believe that quote, it always makes the country better when all Americans speak up and protest unfair treatment by government. Then it asked the same question, but substituted black Americans for all Americans. And so these were two different groups who are asked the question. Some people were asked about everyone, some people were asked about whether it's good when black Americans protest the government. Democrat respondents made no distinction between the two questions. 71% answered yes to both. Among Republicans however, 49% believed it made the country better when all Americans spoke up and protested the government. But just 24% believed it when black Americans spoke up And protested. And by the way, among Republicans whose most trusted news source is Fox News, the gap was 47% yes for all Americans and just 10% for Black Americans to do (laughs) exactly the same thing.
4: No time to sleep now, stay woke Police murder was broad day, this ain't a game no more They get second degree, dog, it is no hope But if you was black, it's 45 years with a rope And they ask me why I always gotta ride with a pole so I refuse to let my mama get that car that I'm gone In the hands of a racist cop and they ain't did no wrong Bet you be ready to ride by the end of this song That bad to come make you a man, huh? How I'm resisting with my hands up Y'all think it's time to stand up this smart and get strapped up. Pull out some big shit that make the toughest racist man back up. The ballot or the bullet, survival to the fullest. Cause it ain't so many out with it like Sandra Bullock. Being black is a struggle, really fear for my brother. It's a strange feeling when you ain't them, Through the other. It's like a bully in school, you ain't gonna solve it till you hit back. But we been getting killed, so I guess it's time to drill back. America was built on racism, y'all know that. The claim was hanging us by a noose, but they don't show that. The judge and the police be the new class clan. We ain't gon' sit till we die, or we going Live sin. Are you hate me cause I'm black? Some shit I don't understand. Are you judge me cause I'm black? Some shit I don't understand. Look, I feel like Louis Newton, I feel like Malcolm X Cause all this nice shit over We fighting for respect. We the only race that's not connected to a home. We need our country back on our side, they did us wrong. Told us kill to your own brother. But always fear the white right man Kidnapping, raping, raping our woman This shit ain't right, man I'm strapped up, ready to go When it's the right stand To get this shit right We gotta put up a fight, man And all you turn down niggas Stay in the house Cause y'all ain't Doing none besides running your mouth because we in the field with it, trying to figure it out. I ain't picking on my phone, I'm up and clearing it out. Cause I was used to be the next on the news bleeding out. Gotta worry about racist looks when you black eating out. It's just set up for us to fail. They want us dead in jail. They gotta be in heaven because this shit is hell. Captain Nick took a knee, they kicked him out there in the field, When we turn the other cheek, the only time they treat us well. They put guns in the hood, drugs in the hood. And they wonder why it ain't no love in the hood. Catch a case, you do your time when you get out on parole. Jobs ain't calling back, you think different when you throw, You track. And now you feel the pressure to trap. Pressure knowing if they catch you, dog, your ass going back. Still in the hood with it, so you got to move with the strap. We've been standing for too long, it's time to go to the max. Rats of peace, George Floyd, man, this shit too crazy. Been riding around with 30 clips with me, no safe. Cause the police are shady in these, niggas are shady in these. Bitches are shady, my skin, the reason you hate. Cause we in the war, gotta survive to the fullest. This gon' be the year with the ballot or the bullet. real.
1: Why does it look like it might be the year of the ballot or the bullet? Because Negroes have listened to the trickery and the lies and the false promises of the white man now for too long. And they're fed up. They've become disenchanted. They've become disillusioned. They've become dissatisfied. And all of this has built up frustrations in the black community community throughout America today more explosive than all of the atomic bombs the Russians can ever invent. Whenever you got a racial powder keg sitting in your lap, you're in more trouble than if you had an atomic powder keg sitting in
0: your lap. Abolition. Abolition. Abolition.
1: Abolition.
6: Abolition. Wow. So, you just heard the Young Turks, uh, followed by L.A. Deuce, uh, the Ballad or the Bullet And also followed by El-Haj, Malik, El-Shabazz Malcolm X Rahimahullah, Ballad or the Bullet Max
7: Man Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm here, man the, the music talking is about awesome. the, Yeah the, the racist movie. Republicans
6: Man I like uh-huh. that little clip
7: They got busted Like like they yeah. got straight busted with it Like you're talking about there's no systemic racism and look who's saying there's no systemic racism. The people that are doing systemic racism.
6: Right. Right. And, you know, one thing that we didn't mention, I mean, if you really want to see systemic racism, go sit in the courtroom on Fridays. as most courts do sentencing on Fridays. Go sit in the courtroom, and you can see the sentence disparities firsthand. For people going in, many with the same crimes, but with the, what determines they could have the same crimes, same type of criminal history, but what determines who gets more time and who does it, and we have the, the uh, statistics to prove it. It's based on the color of a person's skin. So there you have it.
7: Based on the color of a person's skin, the data shows it in every arena. Uh, you know, we did the. America is Ferguson Report, where we covered every state and its relationship to private prisons and prisons in general, its population of prisoners, its general population, even the jobs and who had these, who's getting the jobs to who own businesses, and found out that in every state in this union, with no exception, is there a place, regardless of population distribution, where uh, whites are incarcerated higher than blacks? Nowhere It mm. doesn't matter if you make up 2% of the population Or 50% right. of the population It doesn't matter Right. Per 100,000 Every one of them are like that And some are astounding numbers 14 to 1, 12 to 1 In D.C. it's 19 to 1 Where you're 50-50 And it's 19 to 1 Whew, black
6: that is being incarcerated And so, Wisconsin you know, has Well, every state has outrageous numbers You know, but when we were talking about uh, some of the states that we've covered on the show, the numbers are just really astronomical. You know, when you when we talk of Maine, Maine is one that always gets me just because of what the uh, what was that the governor that came out and said what he said
7: about black
6: people in, in in Maine
7: several times. At one point he said that there's a, going to be a war and you'll know who your enemy is by the color of their skin. Uh, another time he says that uh, these drug dealers named Spoonie G and Rocky G or some craziness like this mm-hmm. will come out here, sell the drugs, have sex with our white women and then leave these little half-breed babies for us to have to deal with. 10, 12 of them running around here. That's what the the, the governor was saying of Maine. right? Talking about ain't no systemic racism You telling people that they're going to die Because of the color of their skin That your all white army that is heavily armed And controls the government Is going to look at us and say Whoever's got dark skin gotta go
9: (laughs) And
6: we know, you know Many people have been caught On social media Saying certain things Or they've been caught on hot mics And then they come back later on After they've been caught trying to talk about Oh this is not me as if they didn't say it.
9: There's so some
7: heroes it's... and sheroes out there these days though. Some heroes and she We had them all right. on the program last week. A lot of them in the abolitionist movement who were directly involved in those state constitutions, who were directly involved in repealing, replacing, directly involved in the organizations and grassroots. And so they were here and a presidential and a congressional candidate as well. Um, right, you know, and I know they're all celebrating right now. Even if mainstream ain't giving us no love, I, I bet I've talked to a bunch of them, and they feel really damn good about what has happened here.
6: Yeah, man, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> I keep saying that word, but that's what it is. It's just amazing.
7: The Uh-oh. ASNN oh, Sorry Sorry, great brother.
6: No, I was just I was getting ready to go into that myself. Just saying how we had just launched. Uh September twenty eighth. The A S N N. Oh, it was August twentieth, that's right.
7: August twenty eighth. Yeah, August
6: twenty eighth. And here we are, the uh, November eighth.
7: It ain't even three months. And we
6: Right. We're already seeing fruits of our labor.
7: Collective labor, yeah, that's right, man. Uh, we yeah. together we can do anything. You know what I mean? Together but that's why I say heroines and heroes out there, Senator or Representative Sandra Ross. Uh Sandra Hollins out there in Hollins. Utah. Uh Melina Cohen, right. Dennis Feebo Kamal Allen, um those uh, brothers and sisters that worked together out in Colorado to get that done. Um Right. You know,
6: and you have Jamelia land out in California. Jamelia
7: land in California. Yep. All across America, man. They they decided, you know, we can do this. And we can. We can get it done. And we find out we found out that not only can we get it done, we can get it done with overwhelming support regardless of the party or the color of the state. Like, everybody right. can unify behind this, you know? It's a beginning. It's not the end-all be-all, but it's opening a brand new door that never existed before, a door where slavery is illegal. Like, we didn't have that. I know it sounds crazy, y'all, but we never had a time in all But one state in this union Where slavery was illegal And that was Rhode Island And they were the only ones that did it But they never have uh, On that fact And I think that's because like many They weren't aware of the 13th amendment And it's effects
6: Right Uh, And that's systemic Within itself to where you have The 13th amendment And the vast majority of schools never literally have you read the Thirteenth Amendment. It's just taught that the Thirteenth Amendment abolished slavery. Just as you know, people uh will say Reagan Reagan, I'm sorry, Lincoln freed the slaves, they'll say, and they'll talk about the Emancipation Proclamation. But if they read the Emancipation Proclamation, it says something completely different. Mm-hmm. Systemic. It's well,
7: systemic. We've got a couple of things that we want to let people know. Uh, one of them is we're going to go on break for a while from live programming. Uh, it's just this end of season, let's call it that, end of season break. Uh, between mm-hmm. The 22nd will be our last broadcast until January 3rd, but there's a but. <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. be playing Except. non-hosted programs throughout that period. So Around New Year's, we'll play all music from the abolitionist archives. So on New Year's, you can have some abolitionist music to rock to and look forward to freedom in 2021 or or further, you know? Uh, And on December 6th, we'll be
9: uh,
7: recognizing the December 6th ratification of the 13th Amendment. Not to to say that it actually happened, but to bring in poets and singers and speakers to explain what it all meant, you know what I mean? So we're going to do that here on Abolition Today. We'll sponsor that. And uh, we're going to have some great poets You get to hear Tribal Rain, live and in person And uh, we're working with uh, Be Frank for Justice, as well as the Free Alabama Movement And uh, Savannah is going to I think she's going to put it on her Zoom And we'll have live okay. performances from The Paul the Abolitionist Center So as it's going on, like we did before With the Free the 13th, live performances mm-hmm. Or live uh, visual performances As well as audio, we'll be doing that again
6: Wow That's going to be yeah. huge
7: and really I know nice. we're going to spend really a
6: couple nice. of weeks, even playing for those that you know love the bridging the gap segment. Like so, so, so many episodes we have that I I mm-hmm. love, you know, of uh, Frederick Douglass. We're going to play all of them. I think if if my calculations are correct, I think we can get it done in three episodes.
7: Yeah, there's nineteen you know? uh, segments of the Frederick Douglass's life story read by. Uh, Oh, man, how's my mind slipping right now? I see, I see Davis. Davis. Read by I, I see Davis, yes. Uh, and then the, we're going to have the music that we played with it and everything. So you'll hear a little Frederick with Ozzy, then you're going to hear some music, and we'll just play that in sequence so you can absorb the whole thing uh, over the course of a few episodes. There'll be non-hosted programs, and uh, we'll be working on other projects and enjoying the holidays with our families. You know, we did this is our 35th program, you know? Definitely did a hell of a job. Thirty-five.
5: Thirty-five.
7: 35. Yeah. Thank God, too, that Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, S.J. and Crystal them, you know, for coming at us that first time. Because you know, as I've said before, I had planned to come back after my illness and do radio because I've been in radio for twenty-five years. Uh, but they came at me and said, "Look, Max we want you to do it for Jailhouse Lawyers Speak and the well, I and We uh, Prison Advocacy Network. We don't even want to tell you what to do. You're just doing doing your thing is what we want." <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, Yusuf." Can you help me with
6: that? Yeah.
9: Yeah. And I mean, when you put out
6: the call for a co host, you know, I started to not raise my hand. I I figured someone else would raise their hand, you know, and I can sit back and enjoy listening, you know, as I've enjoyed listening to, you know, your broadcast on other platforms and just calling in in support. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I raised my hand and answered the call. You know, if we're talking, uh, this is. veterans week, you know, and talking about answering the call. Yeah, I'm glad I answered that call.
7: Yeah, it's you been know, a hell 35 an episodes in.
6: Man. Yeah. Yeah. And so much we've covered. So much. So much in these 35 episodes that people that have told me that they've been listening, you know, it takes them a while to listen to one episode because of each episode being so in depth.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they can't
6: just sit through one episode. They have to listen for a bit, absorb it, you know, go look at some of this. Because with each episode, we bring a ton of evidence with everything that we're saying as well. We're not just here talking; like we're doing a lot of talking tonight, you know. But in many of these episodes, I mean, we've brought so many articles and reports and graphics and everything to where <laughs> everything. no one can say. Yeah, this, these guys don't know what they're talking about No, because the vast majority of the time It's not even us talking It's right. someone else doing the talking Or we're just reporting What the what the facts are
7: We're witnesses, that's it We're just witnesses, yeah. you know what I mean uh, We're showing, And we're watching this, this Global movement return Just like slavery returned The abolitionist movement has returned And that's the answer to slavery Reform is not the answer to slavery Uh Abolition of buildings is not the answer to slavery. Leaving people who are slavers and human traffickers unaccountable for their crimes is not the answer to slavery. You've got to hold these people accountable for what they're doing. We're talking genocide, slavery, and human traffic. And we are not talking about some fender bender <laughs> you know? right? There are l- millions of lives affected, tens of millions. I can't even count the number of bodies, but... Let's put it like this. Visualize this and it's kind of morbid, but it's necessary.
10: Mm -hmm. In 10
7: years, at the rate of people who are being killed by police, you will have about and have had about 50,000 dead bodies. That's enough to fill a huge arena. 50,000 dead bodies in one decade. Killed by police. Wow. Wow. Well, in fact,
6: Max, you know, what you just said is sort of like the perfect segue into, as, as, you know, an audio clip that would be good for us to play with uh, K.J. Brooks addressing the board of police commissioners in Kansas City on October twenty seventh, 2020. So just a few weeks
7: ago. She killed it. Killed it. I do so, I, I want to uh, hear that, yeah.
6: Yeah, I think that was like the perfect segue right there.
7: Alright, here the we go Perfect we'll be right segue back. To it. on the other side then. Abolition,
5: Abolition.
10: Um, I'm not nice And I don't seek to be respectable I'm not asking y'all for anything Because y'all can't and won't be both my savior And my oppressor um, I don't want reform I want to turn this building into luxury low cost housing These will make some really nice Apartments to me Firstly, stop using black children As photo opportunities Cause they're cute now, but in 10 years, they're black male suspects in red shirts and khaki shorts. Eating cookies and drinking milk with children does not absolve you of your complicity in their oppression and denigration, Rick Smith. Cause Kansas City will spend more on police than education and then try to encourage children to feast with their oppressors. Y'all are really weird to be called radical or homegrown terrorist for not wanting government employees to kill citizens in any instance so i'm not here begging anything of soulless white folks and self-preserving black folks you get one life and you all in this room have chosen profits over people and that's pathetic so i'm going to spend the next two minutes reading y'all for a filth, something i'm sure nobody has ever done Nathan, the gentleman, in the vomit-colored men's warehouse suit, in desperate need of Bosley and a haircut, a former FBI agent who exudes white privilege and is the epitome of mediocrity, and who loves Trump so much that he hired his former attorney general at his firm. And it's so sweet because he spent most of this meeting looking away with his head in his hands. Or Mark excuse me, Pastor Mark of Victorious Life Church on 34th and Paseo, where the mission is to provide a place and opportunity to worship Jesus Christ and preach a message of hope and faith through God's holy holy word in the building. Meanwhile, he's subjecting black people to terrorism and un Christ-like behavior at the hands of KCPD outside the building. And Kathy, I'll get here before the other commission members, so I look as if I have empathy and I'm excited to hear what they have to say. Meanwhile, I didn't have anything else to do at 8 o'clock in the morning but be rich and white and retired, so I'm here early. Or Don, owner of Wagner Investments, Blue Notes, LLC, and part owner of the Royals, another rich and white and disconnected and out-of-touch person with nothing but pure apathy seeping through the bulging veins of your paper-colored skin. You age like crap when you're racist and subject others to violence. And David, you don't get a vote, but it'd be a shame if your really progressive students at UMKC Block School of Management knew you were a cop lover in 2020. I don't think they would be a huge fan of that in 2020. In 1960, maybe, but this is 2020. And Q, had I not spent the entirety of the last six months dragging you, I would have more to say, but I don't. And Rick. I won't even begin with you because I don't care enough about you Ma'am, your time to start, dark. but you will have to spend overtime in a chapel at the end of your life. You have blood on your hands and while these idiots hold you on a pedestal, God does not honor injustice and murder. Anyways, I'll leave you soulless, profit driven avaricious, greedy, God-forsaken humans, including anyone who works in this building with one Bible verse from the Bible detailing the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ, who was another unarmed black man murdered by authorities, in the book you hellbound people claim to love so much. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You're really funny. Kiki.
5: Hey, that's it for the public comment. I don't think anybody else has signed up. Um, All All time. Time. All All
0: time. Time. Abolition. every
5: day.
7: You just heard KJ <laughs> Brooks at the Board of Police Commissioners meeting in Kansas City on October 27, 2020, dropping the bombs on them, and she was right on every count. Uh, it was just amazing, man. And that's the kind of courage that I admire. My mentors taught me to be that type of person. You know what I mean? Like, to, to speak truth to power.
6: You know, you you talk about reading someone the riot act. <laughs>
5: oh, yeah, she
6: really read them the riot act right there.
7: It was After dragging you six months, she was talking about the mayor, in, in case nobody knew.
6: Wow. Yeah, she really leaned into them. Had me laughing sometimes, too, when she did the line about the vomit-colored men's warehouse suit looking like you need Bosley and a haircut.
5: You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. So,
6: <laughs> I had to really laugh at that one, man. That, and then, you know, she did even mention that he's a former FBI agent, you know, and how... Uh, one of them, I forget which one of them, I think it's the one that owns the Kansas City Royals, how in his law mm-hmm. firm he hired the former attorney general. So she has her details down. She know, has. This isn't just a rant. Yeah, This isn't just a rant. She's bringing forth facts. You know, and i yeah, I'm, I'm glad she did it.
7: So I'm if you're listening now, it. you got to share the program With the hashtag facts <laughs> yeah, That's how man. we're rolling, man Facts, you know And it, it, I just love the style of that it, 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 you got to be confrontational You're talking about crimes against humanity Why you got to ease into that Why do you have to be worried right. about How they feel about what you say You're accusing people of crimes against humanity
6: <laughs> Exactly and and she made it clear She said look don't do these photo ops You know where little black children Are good for photo ops but you know 10 years from now you know They, they match the description And you right. want to start criminalizing them And everything you know So she, that's reality that is a reality That goes on
7: We have to defang This system of slavery we got to turn this Three-legged stool that the king sits on Into a two-legged stool and watch what happens Because without mm. slavery the power is gone. That's that's where it gets its power and a lot of its wealth and all of the things that keeps white supremacy and racism going. I mean, imagine if Karen, as everybody calls her, uh, mm-hmm. decides she doesn't like what you're doing but cannot even call a cop on you. I mean, what is it worth then?
6: She's right. just an
7: angry woman, and that's it. <laughs> you know, but Yeah, can't do anything about it. Can't do nothing about it. You know, but if they, she can pick up a phone and use it like a gun vicariously, then that's a problem. The same thing with discrimination in jobs and fields. you know what i mean and, and don't say it's not there either Because we know I mean how many black architects do you know? How many black physicists do you know they, and they make sure right. they they put a couple of them out in the front so you know at least one right, <laughs> tell right. You, you know uh but these are different areas where we're almost blocked out of systemically.
6: And when you you talk about STEM – oh, I'm sorry, Max.
7: There's no governor's ball, black governor's ball coming up. (laughs) None.
6: Right. Right. And when you look at STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, I mean, I've attended a lot of conferences virtually, and I mean, I'll be like the only black person there. You know, seeing stuff like yeah, the only one or very few of us. You know, it's it's so very few, especially when it comes to coding, you know, that it's almost like we all know each other almost. You know, and if there wasn't systemic racism, then there wouldn't be a conscious effort by corporations of diversifying, you know, their upper level management and their boardrooms. I mean, it's been discussed on CNBC and other financial networks Of how they're trying to diversify So if it wasn't systemic Then wouldn't, there would be no need for that But that's them even acknowledging That it exists And that they have to make a conscious effort Because racism, as I mentioned earlier For many people, is subconscious Because it's the norm The norm is having no black people around and so and some people don't even see it as a problem they, It's it's the norm
7: It's the norm And,
6: yeah, and then for the others police? it's like Okay as soon as someone Black moves into a neighborhood Now all of a sudden it's a problem Oh there goes the neighborhood As the old saying used to be You
9: know Word, So don't man. get me started
7: um, Max <laughs> That's what we're here to do uh, to, to get started To get other people started To drop the knowledge, the facts, and the information So that you can change your mind So you can walk away from here today uh, With more than you came with That you now know something you didn't know uh, Due to this program
9: Yeah, because you
7: you just said
6: the magic word for me, Max (laughs) What's that? You know what the magic phrase is, right? Help me out Change your mind Because when you say change your mind It makes me think of this
5: (laughs) Langry. what do we want to
6: hear? slavery <laughs> what do we find Langry. slavery Langry. Yeah. yeah every time I hear you change say change your mind that's the first thing that comes to my mind
7: it it, it really starts with language you start calling things what they are and not what you want them to be you know right look at the reality for what it is if it's a system like slavery it's very much that it will likely be Actual slavery Just you know yeah. Look at the, the, the facts And you know we traced this 13th amendment All the way back to 1777 And that's one of the things that appealed to the historians Against slavery uh, That you know They didn't know this That it had already been fleshed out Before it ever got to Lincoln like that It's not something that is studied Too much But uh, yeah, we're, yeah. We're
6: these It is what it up. is I mean it's like Having <laughs> I'm gonna get a little, uh, a little vulgar here. Not in language, but in vision. You know, if you have a glass of feces, no matter how much sugar you add to it, I bet you, you still up when won't you said drink You do glass
7: it. of feces.
6: Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much sugar someone adds to it, they're still not gonna drink it.
7: Yeah, I I, I get your point, and I agree with you, but you know, could have been a little less. Well, <laughs> I, I I, that's why I gave. That's hand. why I put a warning label. So I put a yeah, warning I can't, label I can't on get it. Get out of my head now, yo! <laughs> oh, right. if it's
6: poison, if you just take some poison, yeah, I mean, no matter poison. how much sugar you add to that poison, it's, it's still going to be poison. It's
9: I mean, there poison. may be
6: some chemists somewhere that you know will debate me on that and just say, "Well, it takes down the toxicity level and blah 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 blah." But he gets the point, or she gets
7: so from, the point for me, changing your mind, language begins that process when you start calling it what mm-hmm. it is. Then that makes your thoughts form around what you've been calling it, you know, and then your actions follow that. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Equal
6: and opposite reaction.
7: Yes. Absolutely. For every action. So it begins with your language. You change your language, you change your mind. You change your mind, your ass will follow. <laughs> mm. How about that? Every- Free your mind and you free your mind uh-huh. you know isn't hey, that I'm...
6: when it uh, in vogue on vogue they told us that
7: um I want to talk about upcoming programs a little bit too uh the fifteenth next week we're gonna have uh well, 15th. no the fifteenth next week we're gonna have uh John Sims coming John Sims is an old friend of ours. We worked with him on a couple of projects, one of them being the burn and bury where we would burn the Confederate flag and mm-hmm. ceremoniously bury it. And that was the day when we did it here in Columbia, South Carolina, a few years ago. That was when the police arrested Mouyadine de Baja, targeted him and arrested him uh, right there in front of everybody. It's pretty wild. There's a video we'll possibly share about that later if I can find it. Um, OK, so next week we're going to have him. He, he's an international uh contributor for many different media formats like he just was in Al Jazeera he's been in Time Magazine Uh, he's working with designing a slave memorial in Florida uh, as well as working with the Afro-Panamanians who built the Panama Canal and and putting together a memorial there so next week he'll be coming on and he'll tell us all about that Uh, I'll be bugging him though I'd be bugging him, Yusuf. I'd be like, yo, man, you'd be all over the world talking about this stuff. Could you please talk about the 13th Amendment and slavery abolition? And the slavery abolitionist movement just a little bit. And he's like, man, right. listen, you're the, you the grand bar of abolition. I'm a mathematical professional professor slash artist. You know, let me do what I do, and you do what you do. So I'm like, you know, I know how to corral you. We're going to bring you on the program, and then you got to talk about it. <laughs> So that's, I'm looking forward to bring my man John Sims on. And then after that, we are mm-hmm. going to have Jamelia Lands from the ASNN and march on. Uh, her husband is a prisoner in California who's got several degrees while he's been in there. He's done some amazing things. And he's got a uh, theory that really blew my mind. And we're going to have him come on. I want to play some of it today, but it doesn't look like we're going to have the time to do it. But he was talking about emotional literary, uh, literary, literary based criminology. And he really goes into depth on how not only is it a matter of uh, your neurological functions, but also tied together with the traumatic experiences that often occur with in systemic racism and poverty. And many of these inmates who are now incarcerated, as we've said so many times on the program, have had to deal with these chemical, neurological, neurological and societal issues that have driven Mm -hmm. them to things that they're involved in, from the uh, school-to-prison pipeline all the way up to them being in the pipeline. Right. So he he has this thesis on it that shows how that happens. I think that gives people a little bit of hope because, you know, it's a lot of folks that think it's all their fault. And it's a lot of people who think it's their fault as well. It's not always their fault.
6: Absolutely. And that could also help us deal with the issue of the high levels of teen suicide that's happening you right. know, among young black teens. So it all could tie in, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that, and actually um, hearing from him.
7: Yeah, looking forward to hearing from him. I keep looking at his uh, track and saying, should I play Shit no? We pro- we don't have enough time. Should I? <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, we got the sponsors left to do. We got our final quotes, and then we got our bridge. I mean, we so we about? have time
6: if we cut down on our commentary. I only have one more thing that I was going to mention, and it's just the YouTube video put out by uh, Punks for Progress called Slavery and the Police, a People's History of America, part one. America spelled KKK instead of the C, and I encourage people to go listen to that. So that's all the only thing, other thing I wanted to mention.
7: Thank you. Uh, I I was hoping to be able to mention him as well. uh, brothers out there at Punks for Progress, uh, one of our syndicated networks, so you can find episodes of Abolition Today right there on their YouTube page. And they used some clips from us, as a matter of fact, to put together this documentary. I forget how many parts it is to it, uh, but it's a well-thought-out, well-put-together documentary. And in that specific episode he's talking about, they just break it down just like we would break it down here, but with all the things that you expect to see in a award-winning Documentary, So check it out It's available right now On Abolition Today YouTube page Alright, so let's go ahead and play him uh, To give you a preview okay. of Samuel M. Brown uh, Who's going to be on the 22nd of this month So here we are on the yard Samuel M. Brown Abolition
0: Abolition Abolition,
7: Abolition. Abolition.
13: Symptoms of trauma Hyperarousal Constriction Disassociation Or denial, hypervigilance, intrusive imagery or flashbacks, nightmares and night terrors, abrupt mood swings, temper tantrums, frequent anger or crying, panic attacks, anxiety and phobias, depression and feelings of impending doom, shame, and lack of self-worth, inability to love, nurture, or bond with other individuals, and last but not least, reenactment of the trauma. Trauma doesn't know a color, trauma doesn't know a age, trauma doesn't know a tax bracket, trauma doesn't know any of these things, anybody can be traumatized, anybody.
11: So does that sound familiar? Yes! Interesting to find out what your symptoms of trauma are, aren't they? Yes, that's not who you are. But it's a symptom of being traumatized. And we're here to heal each other.
13: Isolation. Inability to love.
14: Addictive behavior. Insomnia. Depression
13: hyper vigilance. avoidance, shame, addictive behavior, shame, panic attacks, depression. depression, isolation, shame, inability to be loved, depressing.
11: You needed the support when you were a little boy. You needed to be seen, you needed to be held, you needed to be loved. And what happened was... Your mom and your dad, they just couldn't do it. And there's no shame. There's no shame in what they did because they were doing the best that they could.
12: I've been coming to jail since the age of 12. And since the age of 13, I haven't been out in the streets for more than three months. All my brothers have been to prison. Three of us are lifers. I dealt with a lot of trauma growing up. And it was difficult, and it still is to this day. And when I came to this yard, I didn't expect it to be any different than from every other yard that I've been to in the state of California. Violence, boundaries between races. I came here, I didn't see any of that. I saw an entirely different atmosphere. And the people around me, everybody was different. They treated you with a different kind of attitude, a different kind of respect. In one of
14: our classes, we were talking about the effects of slavery on our behavior. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't agree with it when I first heard it. But then when he talked about the discipline, I had a flashback of how I used to get whipped with a bull whip. naked. I didn't put the two or two together, but I realized, you know, that's how slaves were whipped because it was generational trauma passed on from one mother to another mother, to another mother, and it passed on to me. I still got marks on my legs and stuff behind that. And I just remembered there was no one I could run to, no one could help me. And she just was telling me how much she loved me, and she cried and she beat me with a whip. But I was thankful today for the opportunity to uh, forgive myself, to forgive her, and forgive all those people who would traumatize her. I lost my father. I never got a chance to meet my father until I met him in prison because my uncles believed that he wasn't a man because he was gay. My mother was on drugs. My sister was sexually molested by my stepfather and my mother blamed me for that. And I walked with that anger. And then I got among these men, every man on this yard. And a lot of brothers took a lot of time out with me. From education, to self-help groups, to church. And I decided to change. It wasn't no easy task. So for a lot of guys that walk up to me and I walk up to them and hug them, cause I didn't get them hugged. And I show y'all that love because y'all showed me that love. 31 years, I walked up in there and I got found suitable to go home. I love y'all, man.
13: So
9: much. Beautiful. So,
5: one more time, y'all. There is no shame. There is no shame. Can't hear y'all. There
13: is no shame. There is no shame. Through the mist and the pain, I've learned to maintain. There is no shame. Through the mist of the pain, I've learned to maintain. There is no shame, there is no shame, there is no shame, through the mist of the pain, I've learned to maintain, there is no
5: shame.
11: are just incredible men that got the wrong hand this lifetime and it's going to change now and I can tell by what you've said and what you're doing that the future is, is bright.
13: None of us in here were born evil and that many men turn and women turn to criminal behavior as a result of not knowing how to process their emotions or what they're dealing with. And so the more that we do this work that Fritzie and the Compassion Prison Project is bringing to us, the more we better understand that we were not born bad people and were not able to heal ourselves. So we will look forward to working with you all, Governor Gavin Newsom, Dr. Robert Andrew, Dr. Felitti, Surgeon General Nadine Burke Harris, Help us. We need your help. Getting the word out and helping the people heal. Thank you very much.
11: Hi, my name is Fritzie Horseman, founder of the Compassion Prison Project. Thank you so much for watching our most recent promo. We are asking...
7: You just heard Honor Yard with Samuel N. Brown. Uh, The brothers putting that together out there in California. And I believe that that's hope What do you think
6: I absolutely agree I mean that was very powerful Very powerful And I look forward to having uh, Samuel on the program And so we can uh, Delve further into it Just how How that entire Concept of this program Originated Just hearing the program And I can see what the possibilities with that type of program, even just having it in the communities where he's people well, don't have to be in prison.
7: He helped draft the legislation to remove the exception clause from the California state constitution. That's how involved this brother is. You know what I mean?
9: Right. So I'm looking forward right. to
7: it too. And from a personal perspective, what he's talking about, I lived there before the grace of God go I. My father was in prison, my brother is in prison. All my family members, prison or dead, caught up in crack, heroin, coke, all of these different mass incarceration schemes, having their property taken, watching their land just be turned to garbage over the course of one or two generations, entire communities decimated. And these came from the Clinton crime bills primarily at that time, at least for my life. So I know that I've had some time to think about it to realize that my two sons going to prison, was not my fault as a parent, and a lot of us think it is. But you're against all odds. The odds are real. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't want to rant, man. I don't want to rant. <laughs> Excuse
6: me. You can, you can take two minutes if you need to, man, and just go.
7: Uh, nah, I, I'm gonna I'm keep on track. We want to thank our sponsors. You know, uh, we were reminiscing our, back about our first show back on March. 13th was a test show, but the 15th was the actual airing. And, you know, coming together through Jailhouse Noise Speak and SJ and Crystal Roundtree, and then having the support of the Punctual Progress and Prismatic Dreams and Paul Covey Abolitionist Center and all these different groups and, and the people who listen to us. Uh, it's just beautiful to come to this point where we see the fruits of the labor happening and the conversation spreading all across the globe that this is a crime against humanity. How can it not be 25% of the world's population of prisoners and yet 4% of the world's population of people? And when you see the targets, the the numbers, it's convincing. Go ahead, Lisa. Yeah,
6: I was just going to say people can see atrocities everywhere, but they can't see it here in America. The rest Hmm. of the world sees it. And they write about it and they talk about it. But most people here in America don't see it. But they're starting to wake up. They're starting to wake up. When we have, I believe it was 70% voted for it in Nebraska and about 80% in Utah.
7: Roughly, yes. So that That says that there's
6: an awakening going on.
7: That's right. It is an awakening going on. Uh, And let's not forget that although it was overwhelming, there was 20 percent of the people in Utah who voted to keep slavery legally. Right. And there was almost 30 percent of the people in uh, Nebraska who wanted to keep slavery legally. And as a matter of fact, out of all of those who voted to keep slavery in Nebraska, nine out of 10 of them came from the least populated counties in Nebraska. So, right. So, so like, you know, these little rural areas with a few cows and some farms. The head of one's like, you know, the slavery thing is is not ain't nothing wrong with that.
6: What's I need it? somebody working my field.
7: <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> so yeah, it is that. All right, man. Um, so let's get to our quotes part, uh, and then I guess you can, yeah. you can introduce our final segment. Um gotta take a second and get to the quotes section there. I see it. Okay. How could I forget that one? But you know, we've been trying to keep it smooth throughout this whole thing and connecting the dots. Even though the conversation was all over the place, we were connecting it all together under this banner of slavery and human trafficking and genocide. And the reason why we're slavery abolitionists and why we say to you that this is a crime against humanity that cannot be reformed, it must be abolished. And you got to change your language. So we brought it all together in that way, and we're going to close it out like this. From my end, I think slavery is the next thing to hell. If a person would send another into bondage, he would. It appears to me be bad enough to send him into hell if he could. Harriet Tubman.
5: Say, Harriet. (laughs) Wow! Oh man! Good. Uh, How do I
6: follow up with that? So, I would say man's greatness consists in his ability to do and the proper application of his powers to things needed to be done. Frederick Douglass.
7: Two powerful quotes right there. Yeah. Yeah, Because that's what we've done. Uh, We would be making Frederick Douglass proud now. We're not doing like many others and using his likenesses and his words for things that he didn't even fight for, you know? We're right. following his work and and the ancestors' work. I, I want to say thank you everybody who tuned in. I look forward to talking next week with my brother John Sims. It's been a minute since we 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 had a conversation. And uh, peace, brother Yusuf. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, peace. Take that peacock. Thank off, you. brother. We did it. <laughs> thank you,
6: brother. Congratulations to you to you as well. It's hard out here uh, for a pimp.
9: <laughs> <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> so we're
6: getting getting. Get into our closing segment, the Bridging the Gap segment that we do each week. And this week, we have a speech by Henry Highland Garnett. It's his 1843 speech at the National Negro Convention in Buffalo, New York. In this speech, Reverend Garnett, an abolitionist and formerly enslaved, urges formerly enslaved Americans to revolt to win their freedom. This is part one of four and will be narrated by Timeless Reader One. We close out with the song Glory from the movie Selma by John Legend and Common. We'll be back next week on November 14th, inshallah, God willing, with guest international news contributor, professor of mathematics, and a founder of the annual Burn and Bury event, John Sims, as Max just mentioned to us. Don't forget to tune in to Live from the Plantation. It airs at 7 p.m. Central every Thursday night right here on Abolition Today. This program is completely run by those in prison. You can hear their voices speaking on various issues such as prison slavery, human rights violations, and they are organizing efforts across the country to end these crimes against their humanity. Until then, remember to join the movement and get at AbolishSlavery.us and subscribe to our Abolition Today YouTube page for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you.
0: Abolition today.
3: Henry Highland Gurnitz, Address to the Slaves of the United States, 1843. Brethren and fellow citizens, your brethren of the North, East, and West have been accustomed to meet together in national conventions to sympathize with each other and to weep over your unhappy condition. In these meetings, we have addressed all classes of the free, but we have never, until this time, sent a word of consolation and advice to you. We have been contented in sitting still, and mourning over your sorrows, earnestly hoping that, before this day, your sacred liberty would have been restored. But we have hoped in vain. Years have rolled on, and tens of thousands have been born, on streams of blood and tears, to the shores of eternity. While you have been oppressed, we have also been partakers with you, nor can we be free while you are enslaved. We therefore write to you as being bound with you. Many of you are bound to us, not only by the ties of a common humanity, but we are connected by the more tender relations of parents, Wives, husbands, children, brothers and sisters, and friends, as such, we most affectionately address you. Slavery has fixed a deep gulf between you and us, and while it shuts out from you the relief and consolation which your friends would willingly render, it affects and persecutes you with a fierceness which we might not expect to see in the fiends of hell. But still, the Almighty Father of Mercies has left to us a glimmering ray of hope, which shines out like a lone star in a cloudy sky. Mankind are becoming wiser and better. The oppressor's power is fading, and you, every day, are becoming better informed and more numerous. Your grievances, brethren, are many. We shall not attempt, in this short address, to present to the world... All the dark catalogue of this nation's sins which have been committed upon an innocent people. Nor is it indeed necessary, for you feel them from day to day, and all the civilized world look upon them with amazement. Two hundred and twenty seven years ago, the first of our injured race were brought to the shores of America. They came, not with glad spirits, to select their homes in the new world. They came, not with their own consent, to find an unmolested enjoyment of the blessings of this fruitful soil. The first dealings they had with men, calling themselves Christians, exhibited to them the worst features of corrupt and sordid hearts, and convinced them that no cruelty is too great, no villainy and no robbery too abhorrent. FOR EVEN ENLIGHTENED MEN TO PERFORM, WHEN INFLUENCED BY avarice AND LUST. NEITHER DID THEY COME, FLYING UPON THE WINGS OF LIBERTY, TO A LAND OF FREEDOM, BUT THEY CAME WITH BROKEN HEARTS FROM THEIR BELOVED NATIVE LAND, AND WERE DOOMED TO UNREQUITED TOIL AND DEEP DEGRADATION. NOR DID THE EVIL OF THEIR BONDAGE END AT THEIR EMANCIPATION BY DEATH. SUCCEEDING GENERATIONS INHERITED THEIR CHAINS, And millions have come from eternity into time, and have returned again to the world of spirits, cursed and ruined by American slavery. The propagators of the system, or their immediate ancestors, very soon discovered its growing evil, and its tremendous wickedness, and secret promises were made to destroy it. The gross inconsistency of a people holding slaves, who had themselves ferried o'er the wave, for freedom's sake, was to apparent to be entirely overlooked. The voice of freedom cried, emancipate yourselves. Humanity supplicated with tears for the deliverance of the children of Africa. Wisdom urged her solemn plea. The bleeding captive pled his innocence and pointed to Christianity, who stood weeping at the cross. Jehovah frowned upon the nefarious institution, and Thunderbund, red with vengeance, struggled to leap forth to blast the guilty wretches who maintained it.
5: One day, when the glory comes, it will be our
8: Victory, the coming of the Lord. My eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory
5: comes, it will be ours.